Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. pretty good one for you today on an investigation we did um, involving some electronic products and um, it's probably not one that would hit the news unless it was done intentionally uh, it's just one that everybody likes to kind of keep under the under the hat because it's kind of embarrassing at times how things can fall apart for for people and corporations and uh, those involved but um Man, if you're ready, we'll just jump right in and get started. I think so. I'm glad to have uh, our normal listeners back and any new listeners. I'm glad to have you here. Go check out the other episodes, too. Yep, for sure. Uh, we're uh, trying to put these things together um, for your interest and for questions you might have and maybe some insight on how things um, happen in the world of uh, investigations. But this is a good one. This involved um, some electronics by a very familiar name to everybody, the most popular electronics that are out there, I think. And um, how it worked out was um, I was head of corporate security for a transportation company. And the organization structure looked a little bit like this. Um, I was the manager over a group of investigators and uniformed security officers. Um, at an airport location where we, aside from loss prevention and uh, crisis intervention and theft and all the other things that normally go along with it, we also had to abide by federal uh, regulations being on an airport property. So there was screening involved. There's um, traffic on the runway, traffic around the ramp, down different buildings and so forth, some secure areas that... Um, add an element to it that sometimes can be um, cumbersome at times based on the shift in terrorism, the shift in society, um, the government constantly moving and updating things. So it made a big, it was a big effort to try to get things done the right way without setting off a bunch of alarms and uh, different things of that nature. The company shipped products for people and uh, for companies, other companies and organizations and different things. And um, I worked a group, a team of investigators, like I said, and some uniform guys as well. Uh, I had a co-manager who worked also another team of investigators and uniformed officers. And we all had the same duties. We worked different times of the day um, to get things done. You worked with quite a few agencies i mean when you throw an airport into the mix you're gonna you're gonna get a lot more so now you got the faa you got uh, tsa you got uh probably fbi like what are some of the other agencies that were around that area because you're right there at the airport we had customs 
Yep. Uh, Customs and Border Protection. We had uh, Food and Drug Administration for items that come into the country. It was an international airport, so um, we had direct flights from out of the country that came in. And also, um, you know, just for every federal agency, there's always a state agency that goes along with it. And they're all piled up in there in different parts of the airport, doing their jobs, trying to keep the country secure from everything uh, terrorism related down to the proper food that comes in, what shouldn't come in, as well as drugs, narcotics, weapons, the whole thing. So we had a lot of things that um, a lot of agencies involved and a lot of people that uh, you had to navigate through sometimes. Most of the time in corporate investigations, though, everything stays in-house yeah. until such that it requires uh, a law enforcement element. If you're going to criminally prosecute somebody or if you're just going to, you know, take care of them for policy violations. So you have to play that line really close to the vest. We um, had that investigative organization and one of my peers had an investigator who had got to the point where he was getting buried with cases. The same cases, the same product. He hadn't made any headway. Didn't know who was doing it. Didn't know how to get it done or get it solved. And, you know, at first you're wondering, how did it get this bad before you said anything? And then you got to wondering, you know, when people get out of different areas of careers, and they seem to gravitate to corporate security uh, because it has a flair of what they used to be a part of in their professional life. And they want to continue that to a point that they still get a taste of it, but yet they're not fully committed like you would be an officer on the street. Um, it's, it's kind of a like, you know, I don't want to let go completely. So I'll go into security and then I can still be a part of it, but not really responsible for it. So you never know for sure how a person got to be an investigator in a corporate security world. In the criminal law enforcement side, you know how that happens. You know, you've got training you have to go to. You have qualifications. You have uh, supervisors, chiefs, deputy chiefs, all kinds of officers that know when a person's good for the job and when they're not good for the job. And they're usually right about 99% of the time. There's always that one that'll slip through. Yeah. In the corporate world, sometimes people get promoted for a couple of reasons that are not admirable at all. One being, well, he's been here the longest, it's his turn. That doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna be a good investigator or he's a good guy, let's give it to him. You know, there's, there's certainly nothing he can screw up that we can't fix. And then they had this margin of, of uh, errors that they can put up with to, um, accommodate that until the person either catches up or they wind up moving them out. So you never know who you're going to get into. And this particular person was former military and uh, you get to looking and he wasn't military police. He wasn't an investigator. He wasn't former anything other than a cook. Well, just because he was in the military doesn't necessarily qualify that person for being an investigator. Especially Absolutely when not. They came out of the kitchen, and I don't mean that derogatorily. I just mean that there is a sense of responsibility as an investigator, no matter where you work. 
that comes with you walking in the door is supposed to know what you're doing. So yeah. all that aside, and um, part of that was my own doing was trying to figure out how does this happen? I didn't have time to worry about it at the time. We were already neck deep in losses in this deal. Mm -hmm. And we were looking at um, somewhere in the area of $250,000 and still counting. So it was time to get on the ball. The customer is a huge customer for anybody that transport their goods, anybody that buys their products. Um, This person, if this company, if they had, known probably would have kicked us to the curb said no we're not shipping our stuff through you guys anymore and they use lots of people they use lots of people to ship their stuff yeah now this is a big transportation so i know the story because obviously i've talked to my dad about it but um you know this is a big transportation company big logistics company that's handling uh technology for this uh really big uh, technology company and we're not going to say names we're not going to say brands or or company names because uh, stuff like this this was a huge deal and we're not trying to catch any kind of like defamation kind of cases or anything like that just because we want to talk about our experience so we're not yeah. going to mention in the names but just know like these are top dogs like top companies definitely fortune like probably fortune 50 like these were big companies that this was going through. So, yeah, you're right. I'm sure if, uh, if company A, technology company, found out that logistics company was losing a lot of their stuff uh, up to $250,000 worth, they would be finding a different route to go on. So, anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah, we don't want, you know, we're not trying to, the goal of our of our podcast is not to, spread names and things like that out there is to give you some insight as some of the crazy things that goes on in an investigation. So I'm sitting here with this guy and I'm like, well, number one, also number one, one A, as old Cy Robinson used to say, uh, that's rule number one. You know, why don't you go to your manager? And his words were, well, he doesn't know what he's doing either. And I'm like, all right. He goes, we know you've had some experience doing this, this, and this, and we need help. So we put all that stuff aside. Those are questions that need to be answered in a debrief down the road, way past this deal. This has been going on for four months and we've got to stop it quickly. So it could be another, in my mind, it could be another month before we could sit down and debrief on this. I was trying to be optimistic that maybe we could get this solved in a month. And I didn't share this with anybody, but I didn't know if it was ever going to, you know, if we could ever figure it out. So we go to work. Now, obviously, in a situation like this, in an open air situation like an airport can be, and people may know that and may assume that because it's an airport, there's going to be cameras everywhere. You got lots of resources. That's not the case. Number one, you got to be careful how much you let out of the bag. Do you want the airport itself to know? Hey, we're over here. We're losing this amount of dollars and the company, the customer's product. And we wonder if y'all can, you know, do you want to involve them? Do you need to involve them? Um, Do you, would the company be upset if you did involve them? Because somebody at that airport administration line will allow to pick up the phone and call 
bosses above me six times over. And next thing you know, in addition to the problem we have, we have all this stress behind us now with what in the world's going on. And they'll want to assemble a team and send it down and try to do this. Then we got to play catch up with those guys. Yep. Things like that can delay an investigation for an incredible amount of time. And not to say that it's wrong, not to say it just kind of depends on what your company's policies are and what the ultimate decision maker decides we need to do. In this particular case, I like to hold the cards close to the vest and throw out the cards that, uh, you know, one at a time until I get to a point where, and, and it's ultimately responsible to me how much I reveal in the timing of it because I could get yelled at by my boss. You know, if I'm not, what do you mean you're doing all this? So you have to think outside the box. You have to make some bold decisions. You have to stay within the guidelines of the law, number one, and your corporate policies, number two. So the next step in trying to figure this out, I always go back to the thing we talk about the most is, do we have a source within the area that we can, and I say trust, as a generic word, because you never trust sources. You can never fully trust the source. But do we have somebody that I can figure out what's the best way, cut through some red tape, find out where's the best way to find out where this stuff comes from, where it goes to, and where's this hiccup coming where we're starting to lose this stuff? Because we know where it's coming from in China someplace. It's coming in, it's getting sorted, it's getting moved to an area, and it's disappearing before the next plane flies out. So where can we figure out where this stuff goes? And we're talking about a facility that holds over 4,000 people and enough miles in um, conveyor belts and sorting areas that could probably wrap around, you know, from Orlando to Miami and back all in this building. So we have to figure out, we need some help. And uh, one of the rules that we talk about when using sources and information is, you know, you don't want to let them know they could be part of it. So you have right. to be careful how much you need to know and what can you ask in a kind of covert kind of way to get the information you need without tipping them off. So I strategized with um, one of my investigators, started with one. And I told him what was going on. I said, you know, this guy across the hall, this is what he landed on my desk with and he needs help. And before any of that happened, I had confidentiality disclosures signed off on by the person that brought me the case and by the guy I was talking to about the case. So we can understand any deviation from this would mean possibly your job and maybe criminal charges. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if we could pull it off or not. I don't even know if the prosecutor would take the case or not, but definitely I would try. If he messed up all the hard work we were trying to do, I would try. Everybody signed off. Everybody was in agreement. I personally felt like, okay, at some point you got to trust somebody. So I get my most trusted guy in here and we start talking about it. And um, the other part with this guy is he was a part-time sworn law enforcement officers so i kind of had a little bit of uh, um, the law enforcement angle to keep me within the guidelines so i'm not blurring the lines and doing something i shouldn't be doing 
that's more law enforcement related than corporate security related. It's a lot to take in. And while I'm doing all this, the cash register is still pumping. Cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, right. phone here, tablet there, computer here. So we have to work quickly, but we have to work proficiently and within the guidelines to secure the case in case it ever went to court, the prosecution, and to uh, limit liability on uh, ourselves as well. So all these things are in play. Yeah, there's a there's a couple things I wanted to hit on real quick. The uh, the whole not the confidentiality non disclosure agreement. Yeah, I mean I don't know if there's a possibility. So like in the military, when we would make people sign those, it said in there these are the uniform code of military justice uh, rules that you will break if you talk about this investigation with anyone, and we can take them to uh, court for that. I don't know in the civilian world if you're able to put like if you deviate from this or if you try to obscure this investigation in any way, uh, we'll consider once we finally get it wrapped up, we'll consider you an accessory or we'll tag you with conspiracy. I don't know. Like, I don't know if those are things that you could have done the whole, who do you let in? Who do you let know? That's a big operation going on. You got a ton of technology products going missing somebody's going to know about it probably more than two or three people are going to know about this and so it's really it's really difficult but finding someone that has like law enforcement or something like that that that's a good step in the right direction usually you know law enforcement officers are supposed to have a little bit of integrity when it comes to that uh, most of them do there are a couple that don't but that would be an indicator to me for sure that we can probably bring this guy on and it'd be a safe bet. Well, keep that one thought in mind about, um, you know, if this is going on, this big of an operation, there's gotta be more than one that knows about it. Just keep that thought in mind. We'll get toward the end and I'll, I'll bring that full circle for you. Um, yeah. On confidentiality agreements, I'm sure there's a way that um, at some point, if you are investigating this and you do turn it over to law enforcement and you indicate that during the course of this investigation, this employee decided not to play by the confidentiality rules and therefore hindered the investigative process, they might be able to do something. You can always arrest somebody. You can arrest anybody for anything you want. Whether the charge will stick or not is a different story. And even if this charge has enough probable cause to it, it still may not make it to court because a prosecutor can just say, no, yeah, you're right. It does meet the criteria, but no, we're not prosecuting that. And then even further, a judge could throw it out on top of everything else. Yeah. And that's not to say that law enforcement should just go and arrest anybody for anything. Like right. there has to be some kind of crime that happens to legally arrest somebody. Or now that law enforcement officer is looking on losing his job or something else so and possibly pension and criminal charges themselves yep you know uh, let alone the civil violations of people's um, rights uh, civil rights so there's a lot of pieces to it but technically you know a dirty cop could arrest somebody 
and if probable cause isn't there yet, it won't get picked up, but it doesn't preclude the fact that you've inconvenienced that person. True. So a lot of times confidentiality agreements, you know, if you've worked with somebody long enough that you're to the point that, look, we got, we got to make sure everything stays above board on this. They're not going to have any problem signing it. And um, they know the ramifications. They know if you're serious or not. So um, leading to that, you know, my question was to my investigator, look, here's where it starts. Here's where something happens and here's where it doesn't happen. Where do we need to begin to look at this kind of thing? And the area of the airport that we needed to look at was a huge area. And when, when I say there's 4,000, 5,000 people working in one shift, we're talking about a beehive of people, lots yeah. of confusion. This is an airport facility that actually has baggage cars going inside the building and outside the building, open air, different things going on all at the same time. So there's a lot of confusion going on, which is perfect for stealing. And my whole problem with the thing was there's got to be something we're missing because you come in just like TSA checkpoints. You come in one way, you come out the same way. And there is no way a single cell phone or a single anything comes out with you there's no way it just doesn't happen so it has to be leaving some other way so i'm thinking man somewhere somebody's grabbing this stuff they're relabeling it something like that having it shipped somewhere else it's got to be going out legitimately like on a regular truck on a semi on a delivery truck on an airplane it's got to be doing something so we have lots of variables to look at. And once we narrow down the area, the easiest tool you can have is surveillance. So I had some people that uh, know the area really well. They're uniformed officers. A lot of time, uniformed officers feel like they get left out. They have to respond to things and then they have to turn it over to a detective. They have to go and do a little bit of legwork for which they're proud of. And then all of a sudden they got to hand everything over to the detective. And if they don't like the detective, they're going to think, man, let me see this thing through. That guy don't know this or that. You know, you, you get a lot of competition. Um, there's a lot of competitiveness in that. So when it came time to do surveillance, my lead investigators, um, they're busy enough as it is. I conferred with the one that I was uh, reading into the program with this profile. And so let's do this. We don't have to tell them exactly what we're looking for. Let's just tell them we're looking for any suspicious activity, product that doesn't go from one place onto a conveyor belt or from one place over here to this. It, where's the deviation at in this kind of thing? Put a guy up in the rafters, told him, okay, guess what? Tomorrow when you come into work, wear jeans, T-shirt, look like a, you know, get yourself looking like a bum. They're like, what, 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 what? And they get all excited about it. It does a couple things. One, it engages somebody. It uses yeah. manpower that you can spare without taxing other areas that you're working on. Yep. And it also gives them a bit of a morale boost. They're like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going undercover. You know, I'm like, yeah, you need to keep that to yourself. Sign yep. this agreement, you know? And they're like, yep. oh, yep. crap. Can I tell anybody? No, you can't tell anybody. We oh. don't know who we can trust. We don't know who's involved. And we have to be careful who has any part of it. 
this person didn't know the company we were looking at, the product we were looking at. We just wanted him to sit and observe deviations from the normal process. Now, in some cases, when people go into corporate security, they came from inside the company someplace else. The uniformed officers I had came from inside that sorting facility as former, you know, just regular employees, civilian employees who applied and applied and applied and uniform securities using entry level things. So we figure we can teach them what we need them to know. So this guy knows what we're doing. Uh, he knows the process. He knows what looks right, what looks wrong. And, you know, we grub him up stick him in the rafters you know these buildings are open air buildings with no finished product on the inside no it doesn't have sheetrock it's not an office building yeah warehouse and, yep put him up in the catwalk get him in there early tell him you know you better bring some snack crackers you'll be there for a while give him some binoculars and tell him to watch and see what he sees lo and behold we got lucky there's product that comes out of a specific container. It goes on a belt to go one direction, might go on the other belt to go to another direction, might go here, might go there. There's a belt below it that also has layers of places to go. But what shouldn't happen is you should not see anybody throw a box under the second belt onto the ground. Mm. So there was our first tip. We watched that process and um, we figured out, yeah, there's something going on. Every so often, 100 packages go by or whatever, and one gets thrown down to the feet, the feet kick it underneath the second belt. That's not how you handle a package, no matter what it is. Even if it's in the wrong place, that's not how you handle a package. So we thought we were onto something. We uh, regrouped. We um, obviously gonna need some more help. And at this point, I feel like it's time to let my boss know what we were up to because I needed more help. I needed to pull some more people. I needed more people dressed down in civilian clothes instead of uniform clothes. And I needed to borrow some help from the manager who this other investigator that let this thing go so bad. He needed to loan me a couple of officers to work our officer duties while my officers went and played, so to speak, went and dressed up and did that. So we um, made no prior announcements. We looked at the roster, see who was coming in, who called off. And I went to my boss and I said, this is what I have. This is what I've been told. This is what it adds up to at this point. And I'd like one day to try and put in an operation where I have various points of people in place so that we can catch the person who comes by and picks up that package follow them to where they're going and possibly make a grab on that person. Of course, his questions are liabilities. What are we looking at? Uh, how many people do we need? Have we involved law enforcement yet? And, um, you know, the answer to the law enforcement thing was no at this point, because right now we do not know if it would fall under the definition of a theft crime. Even though it's misplaced, last thing we want to do is not find that stuff and lost and found, trying to be rerouted somewhere through that angle and right. blow our cover. So 
Um, he agreed. He goes, you got one day. He wanted to see an ops plan from me. And I put one together. I had a person back in that same catwalk. I had a person dressed up as a mechanic in a mechanic van. I had another person dressed up in a tug that uh, pulls baggage carts. Hmm. I had another person over in the semi-truck area to uh, monitor anything that happens over that way. Everybody was on the same page. I had two investigators, one in a roving uh, investigator car, and I was with my main guy in another car. So we set up, got in early, set everything up, going through the deal. Sure enough, sat there and watched and watched and watched, and we waited until um, someone removed the boxes from under the second belt because that's where we started to see this is where this piece was happening. Yes. Yep. We're sitting there and lo and behold, a person pulls up on a baggage cart that already had some 20 pieces already on it. Mm-hmm. Crawled under there, got those extra pieces that were kicked under there that night, put them on the cart and then off we go. We converged on the area, the guy runs in the baggage cart tug. Nice. Pulling the trailer full of boxes. My guy, and I thought, you know, you ask Misty, she worries about my driving. My guy <laughs> is doing 60 miles an hour through a building full of people and other baggage carts, lights oh, and sirens going. Yeah. I'm like, it was a mess. I think I dug fingernails into the dashboard, but this guy, we're trying to catch up to him and the Tuggers, they're governor somewhere. I don't know how fast, but it seemed like he was able to do like 40 miles an hour in that thing. And he just flying down through there. He pulls out onto the runway of all places. And here we are chasing my guy. That's a mechanic starts screaming on the radio. And I'm like, he can't be into it because we're right behind the guy. Evidently, somebody not paying attention driving another tugger innocently drove the edge of the tugger up underneath the mechanic's van he was in, lifting the front wheel off the ground, and he was stuck in an accident while all this was going on. So he's screaming. I've got other uniformed officers that were undercover, for lack of a better word. They're all converging to help us, and they're all you know, excited and adrenaline's running. And it's like, you know, there's one channel on the radio and here we are all trying to talk at the same time. Um, The guy thinks that we're about to nab him and he thinks that we're going to go for the packages. While he's going down one of the taxi ramps, he pulls the pin on the trailer full of product, lets it go off on its merry way and he keeps driving on. So I had uh, another officer grab that trailer to keep it secured, and we proceeded to chase this guy. Now we're doing only like 25 miles an hour, I guess, trying to chase this guy. And I'm wondering in my head, do we pit maneuver this guy in a tugger? He's going to get hurt. So That would be hilarious. It was ridiculous. And, and my guy's yelling at me. He's like, let me hit him. Let me hit him. I'll get him to stop. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. So we follow him. He pulls into an area. He jumps off the tugger. We grab him. And um, 
start our investigation. So the excitement's over. The guy's still hung up in the mechanic's vehicle because he can't get the mechanic truck freed. He's back there squealing tires, trying to break it unhooked from the other tugger. The tugger guy had no idea what's going on. He's like, what are you doing? I'm sorry I did this. Don't run, you know? So I'll take me with you. <laughs> lots of pieces going on. So adrenaline's high for everybody. We um, we get this guy, this driver. We take him upstairs to the interrogation room. At this point, we got to figure out, you know, we've got the original investigator involved. And, you know, do I want him to be the interrogator, even though these are his cases? I think not. He um, drug his feet on this thing, made it worse than it really was. My guy did the catch. I want him to do the interrogation. And let's see where we can go with it. Um, the guy ended up, long story short, longer story, even shorter, try to. He ends up giving up the fact that um, he was involved in this deal. Um, going back to your comment about enough people, more than one needs to know. There were two managers involved in this organized theft and five employees involved. So uh, seven people involved, and it's, you're exactly right. It takes more than one to pull something like this off. Yeah, at that volume. Yeah. So we've got everybody confessing um, to their part in the deal. We have the case solved. We're bringing in you know, law enforcement because my boss said, well, it's a lot of money. We at least ought to attempt to see if law enforcement will initiate a theft case with us. Yeah. And at some point during the interviews, once they admit that a criminal offense has occurred, we kind of close out that piece of the interview so as not to contaminate or jeopardize any part of the interview that law enforcement wants to do we have to remember where our place is in corporate security and we will look into it and even if i get the guy to admit to a criminal act just because he admitted it to me doesn't count for law enforcement they have to give him admit it to them and if if they admit it to me and then they lose their nerve and don't admit it to law enforcement then i you know, take a chance to jeopardize in the prosecution side of the case if it's going to go that far. So you have to be careful with that. Once you get what you need, um, we definitely had him. We definitely had the other six that were involved um, as far as our policies go and uh, theft, you know, or the misrouting or the mishandling of packages, which is all our investigation um, pretty much pertained to. Uh, then it was time for law enforcement to set it up and do to do their part. They can go into all the elements of, look, this is an international airport. There could be something there. This is a flight that came in. So there might be something with air travel. There could be something with, uh, you know, crossing jurisdictional boundaries. This is something that they can, you know, they may pursue from that end. It's just a pretty cool deal if, you know, if it all falls into place. Right. Our local contact um, because it did involve international shipments and did involve multiple states, uh, we had an FBI contact that came in and helped with the case to find out if we wanted to go federal charges. You know, it's exciting to do something like that, but at some point you have to 
you know, like I said, remember where you are, remember what your responsibility is and, and uh, let them do their part. Um, you don't get a say in it. You don't really get you know, much of anything. They, wait, they may come to you and say, do you wish to pursue charges on this criminally or whatever? And, you know, the bean counters will sit down and figure out, well, is it worth it to uh, go through the process of legal proceeding and the cost of attorneys and all this and that? You know, do we need to, all that stuff's peripheral to what you're doing. You just don't need to worry about it. But the bottom line was we got the guy. We used a plan that uh, would get us the information um, without giving up everything, what if I'd gone to the manager of that area and said, Hey, listen, man, there's somebody stealing all this stuff. We got to catch them. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, we'll help you, you know, and he's one of them that's doing it. So you have to be careful with that. Yeah. Uh, keeping information from people is not always fun. You know, innocent people, the victims that are involved, it's not fun at all, but sometimes in the interest of getting what you need, um, a little bit of, leeway is needed so that you maintain the integrity of the case it, you know at certain points it was time to bring in my boss at certain points it's time to bring in his boss at certain points right. it's time to bring in uh, other people and you just have to go by that at some point when you do turn it over to your boss just remember that at that point on he's the decision maker and everything you do after that has to be run through him so there is a chain that you know you got to kind of follow. But yeah, to your point, there were more people than one that knew it. Even those big places that was, it took a lot of people to do it. And during the course of the interview, we did learn that you know the big elephant in the room is how are you getting this stuff out of here. You know, obviously we knew it wasn't going to go out through um, the front screening area, and if you try to go out the truck gate, which is the only transportation ground transportation entrance it gets searched so we learned that they would take small boxes put them in a larger box about the size of a small mini fridge like a three by three cube box relabel it to an address not associated with their home addresses so any research on um, they themselves wouldn't indicate an issue and they would ship them out over the course of the last four months, constantly shipping out uh, packages. And the company that was losing the packages, uh, technically losing them, is also the same company that was delivering the stolen packages to the bad guys. So there's a lot of hands in this. It worked for about three months, four months. Uh, but eventually, you know, everybody gets caught. Somebody ends up saying something they shouldn't have said or doing something careless. And um, with a little investigation work, they, uh, it gets unraveled. So the um, case was a success. The um, plan worked again. Um, some of it being, you know, good knowledge on how to, you know, work an investigation of that nature, but also there's some luck involved. You had to have things fall in the right place. Obviously for the guy who was uh, working as a mechanic, he was pretty upset that he missed out on everything because somebody not paying attention drove his thing up underneath his vehicle and of all the weird wrecks I've ever seen, you know, you drive by and there's a, yeah, he was just the mechanic's van is just a regular looking van 
and the whole front ends up underneath a, a dolly cart. So uh, this is a weird thing how it happened. Um, overall, it was a great case. Um, to hear the uniformed officers talk about it for several days after the fact, um, you know, it was kind of fun to listen to because they were really glad to be involved. Nobody's ever done anything like this. Nobody ever cares to solve anything. They only care to just, you know, investigate it, put it in a pending file, and that's the end of it. Uh, pay the claim, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so they were pretty excited. And I, I felt good about being able to involve them, bring yeah. in a new aspect into their career and give them something to talk about yep exactly uh nothing they can really put on their resume but they have a good uh <laughs> good conversation starter yeah yeah it'd be a little different when they got home from work that day what y'all do at work today you know what happened so yeah it was a good case it was a good deal and um you know it's not something i wanted to do all the time the last thing I want is every investigator bringing me his case file saying, hey, can you help me fix this? You know, there's right. some things that they do on their own, but certainly a, a training moment for them on what yeah. can be done if you think outside the box and, and um, different ways to solve things. Look at things, you know, what you got to work with and, and be able to solve it. But yeah, yep, it's a good case. Yeah, man. Man, there's a, there's a, couple of things I want to highlight. So first thing, you know, having that, that investigator mindset, that investigator law enforcement background really helped you out with this case. Like you were the go-to guy, you were the one that put together this op plan. By the way, did you plan for any of the stuff that happened in the operation in the op plan? I did not plan that a person might be in a baggage cart tugger deal run from us and wind up on the runway you know i did not plan for that i kind of expected that we would approach them and they'd be like what you know yeah and, uh, <laughs> stop in the name of the law you know that kind yeah. of thing so it just uh i didn't plan for that i certainly in my mind knew anything could go wrong if it had the yep. chance but Jacking up the mechanics van, that one threw me for a loop. I expected that guy was going to be my first contact on takedown. Um, so I didn't plan on that. The rest of it, yeah, you know, I pretty well figured they'd all be in their positions. They might fuss that they didn't get a little more action than they got. But that's just junk you can deal with later. But, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to turn. And I certainly didn't know that uh, my investigator was going to drive through the terminal in a car that fast. You right. know, I'm like, well, you slow down, you're gonna kill us all. You know, and I kept thinking, no, I just you know, don't nobody step out. But it was a, it was a designated drive lane. He was just exceeding the speed limit faster than normal in an effort to catch the guy. You know, By before a lot. he gets out. Yeah, a lot. But it was, uh, it made for a great story. And then hear people talk about. Did you see them drop through there that time? What were they doing? You know, and it's like, they, thought, they thought it must have been a bomb scare or something really bad for him to drive like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. All right. So yeah. no, uh, no baggage cart pit maneuver uh, techniques in the op plan. Got it. No, but it did, <laughs> you know, and I did not anticipate that if he did ran, that he would be out there on the actual taxiway and pull the pin off the cart 
I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Where did she think he was going to go in a baggage cart, the tugger thing, at 35 miles an hour? Where did he think he was going to go? Like I said, they got guards, and that truck gate is never without a backup. So how in the world do you think he's going to blow through that thing or not? So I don't know. It just kind of befuddled me. But you can never underestimate as well as you try to use your imagination to solve crimes, you can never underestimate the imagination of a bad guy to try to get away with one. It just yeah. is, you know, way out there. They'll do anything they can to get away. Yeah, man. I wonder, okay, did so when you talk to him, did he plan out, like, if one day I get caught, this is what I'm going to do? Or did he just instinctually drive on the runway and pull the pin out of the, the trailer? Like, was that all instinct? Yeah, he said, look, man, I didn't know what was going down. I didn't even know y'all were going to catch us. I didn't even know you were chasing me for that reason. I thought I did something else wrong. And he goes, I was just trying to get away, dude. I didn't know, you know, and you know, then you have to wonder, look back in his history and make sure he doesn't have any current warrants for arrest. I mean, he he could have been running for any reason if he didn't know we were on to him for that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess he thought once he figured out, hey, man, they might be after all that stuff behind me. If I get rid of it, they'll leave me alone because they really want that more than they want me. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. So, no, he didn't plan. He didn't have an action plan for this is what I'm going to do to get away. He was just thinking he was just scared to death because my guy's coming up and I'm literally, he's got a blue light on the dashboard and he's just flying. He's thinking, what in the world? And then he tried yep. to get out of the way. Well, maybe he's not after me. Well, wrong again. And he thought, well, maybe if I ditch this, they'll leave me alone. You know, there can't be more than one of them out here. And there was, we had like six guys out there ready to get oh, him. Yeah. So, and none yeah, of your guys were armed nice. during this one, right? Uh, I was, and my investigators all had um, carry permits as well as um, the one that's a you know normal police officer part time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, but no, none of the rest of them were. So it wasn't going to be a shootout. That's for sure. Thank goodness. Yeah. And you know, thinking back, I go back to my office. I'm thinking, boy, did we get lucky. What if an airplane was coming in about that time, you know, yes. not that we were on the same path as the airplane uh, taxiway is, you know, they may have rerouted the airplane for another landing or come in on a different runway, or maybe they couldn't stop them in time. And the turbulence coming off the jet engines could have been harmful to anybody. Um, yeah. What if he freaked out and, and got hit by an airplane running on there, trying to get away. There were a lot right. of things still that could have gone wrong that what that didn't go wrong so we were really lucky yeah man well yeah so great job on that that case and yeah it took a little bit of luck on that one um but your law enforcement background really came in handy also not only just for the preparation part but also for after when you you knew i can't i can't go too deep into this confession because it could potentially mess up things for the law enforcement interview. And so it was smart of you to remember that because I'm sure a military cook, once he got the, if he was to get that opportunity, he may just want to like go full-fledged or full-fledged hero 
and say, I'm going to get all the information. I'm going to give it to law enforcement. I'm going to be the hero. Here I am. You know, so it's, it was good that that didn't happen. Uh, and yeah, you, you really nailed that one down. It was a, I know, I know that it was a big case for that company. And I want to say it was the largest theft in company history. Yeah. Um, and if I have full disclosure, I did give um, a chance for that investigator to do the first interview, not on the driver, because that was important, but on one right. of the other um, detainees, we should say. And I did give him first crack at him. And um, that lasted about five minutes because he was full on, for people, I'm going to date myself, the NYPD blue days where they slam phone books on the table and yell and scream and threaten to hit them and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I watched yes. him just explode because that guy just sat there and say, I don't have anything to say to you, sir. And then he just went ballistic and I'm like, get him out of there. Let's get some yep. bias in there. <laughs> Absolutely untrained. Yes. <laughs> Practicing things he learned on TV. So yes. not yes. a good move at all. And on top of that, there's another whole podcast on corporate interviews versus criminal interviews. You know, it's just a whole different beast. And yeah. the things you can do and the things you can't do, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I gave him first crack and I just, you know, it's his case. And come on, you can do this. Yep. This is what I need from them. And for another, you could hear him two doors down yelling and screaming and pounding and carrying on. I'll throw you through this wall, you know. And I'm like, oh, let's get this guy out of here, man. This. All right, that's enough. <laughs> and, you know, and the funny thing was the guys I was working with were kind of giggling. You know, they're like, oh, man, yeah, we lost it. Let's go get him. So we salvaged <laughs> the interview. We got the information we wanted um, in the interview. Um, to protect some of the integrity of the case, sometimes it's helpful when there's a good relationship between another member of management in an organization who has a good relationship with that employee, somebody that there's respect both ways. Being said, it's not a uh, beyond a reasonable doubt kind of deal that you got to put together just for our corporate things. Um, just a preponderance of the evidence is all you need. And uh, we used a manager that that person worked with kind of helped soften the blow after our investigator kind of imploded on it. And, you know, they opened up right away. And uh, the manager has worked with us on numerous occasions and said, okay, well, you're doing the right thing and uh, this is going to work out good for you. Would you mind telling the same story to these corporate guys and, go on from there and and that smoothed it over you know if i was that guy and somebody came to me like that you know i'd be shut down completely i wouldn't even give them a chance a second chance but no. we were able to work that angle with the uh operations manager that was close to them and it's within our guidelines to let them be a part of the interview if it's beneficial to the interview so we weren't yeah. violating any rules there but you know you got to use all the tools you can society and the law and courts have you know they they handcuff certain things from me that you used to be able to do 
Um, so you have to always use the stuff that you do have at hand. Um, some of them for good reason. Some of those techniques are outdated um, and uh, not to be used anymore. So anything you can use that'll help you out and get where you need to go, um, that's the best case. So Yeah. So, yes, great job on knowing your boundaries, knowing what to do, what not to do. And now I'm looking at it from like a CEO level. So I look at it as like, hey, not only did this theft operation get shut down completely, now we can get rid of the trash, the employees that were costing the company a ton of money. And through this, you gave a lot of experience and a lot of training to your, your six guys, the other investigator. So this guy who comes in from the military as a chef comes into a security investigation gig, and now he's just kind of learning as he goes. You know, mm -hmm. he, he interviews us like, you know, I'm going to throw you through the wall. But now he knows now that he can't, he can't do that kind of stuff. But it's because of that experience that you were able to somewhat create for him and by helping him out. And so now as a CEO, I'm like, look, now our team is even stronger. Like my investigations department in yeah. that uh, airport warehouse is strong now. So you provide a lot of value through that as well. And you provided a pretty good lesson to our viewers. And this is the one thing I wanted to harp on. Uh, I learned early in my law enforcement career, even before I got into my agency, I had talked to a very skilled, experienced and uh, special agent. And he told me if I was out and about before I joined, if I was out and about, or even if I was an off, like a law enforcement officer out of my district or out of my, out of my, uh, what's that word that we use jurisdiction jurisdiction yes jurisdiction um or if i'm a law enforcement officer outside of my jurisdiction i can't necessarily act on behalf of law enforcement but what i can do is i can be the greatest witness within the confines of the law and so my message that i'm pulling from the lesson that you kind of brought on to our viewers for sure, if you had to learn one thing from this podcast episode, it would be to wherever you are, wherever you go, if you have that that kind of itch to help law enforcement or to to really benefit your society, be the best witness that you can be within the confines of the law. So you can't go trespass, trespassing on somebody's property to find out if they're growing marijuana or something like that. But if you were to be there legally and see it, now you are a key witness to a crime. And so, yeah, that, that would be the biggest takeaway is be the best witness that you can be within the confines of the law. Yep. Good advice. Good advice. So. Right. All right. So but, we need to get a, we need to get an investigative team together and start doing some cases. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, uh, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I think uh, that about wraps it up. What a what a good story. What a good uh, teaching lesson. 
I think this is a, a good one to wrap up. Yeah, information's out there. All you have to do is find a way to pull it in. And uh, right. sometimes it's with informants, sometimes it's with legwork, sometimes it's just um, inadvertent information, you know, based on, you know, you want to know how things go from point A to point B, but you can talk to somebody about, now, where would that come from? You could start at point B and say, now, how did that get to this point? Can you tell me how that worked? And they don't have a clue what you're trying to do, you know, and it's, it's all about protecting them as well. You don't want them to know, you know, as much that would cost them time in court. They probably wouldn't get paid for and maybe embarrassment. Some, there's still some stigma about cooperating with law enforcement or even corporate security in that way. Um, you don't want to cause them any embarrassment or any stigma for that. So trying to find your answers and trying to find your information is just a matter of sitting down and trying to figure out ways that you can get the same information without tipping your hand. So maybe you still got four cards in your hand at the end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Man, it's been fun. If anybody has any questions at all or any comments at all, please hit the button, throw your opinions in there. We're not offended by anything. And uh, it is what it is when we did it. May not work in every situation, but you know, a lot of ours is, you know, good homework, good background work, good luck. So yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you have those questions, make sure you send them to criminal motive at gmail.com and give us a, a like, a share, a subscribe, uh, review. We'd love to hear your reviews because we want to make the show better and we want to know if we're doing the right thing or not. So uh, just give us that feedback. There are a ton of things out there about homicides. Yeah. A ton of things out there on every channel. And uh, yeah, we're not one of those. So uh, we still try to make it interesting. Not everything has to end with a bullet in the head. So right. we're right. just trying to do another take on it. So any comments, right. any uh, advice or direction, input is always appreciated. That's right. All right. Until next time. All right, dude. Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure to tune in next week when we unpack a new one. And I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on. And make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.